Welcome to the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast, insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. Really glad you could join us today. Just a couple thoughts for you. If you like this podcast, you enjoy the content, we just ask if you could please share it on social media and let more people know about what we're doing. And also, if you can rate it on iTunes or Podbean, that would be very helpful as well. Well, today, we have a special guest with us. Normally, I interview people within our network, but today I'm going outside. We're going to have with us here Howard Rashinsky. Welcome to the podcast, Howard. Hey, thank you, Ian. So good to see you after a few years. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's been a it's been a while, and I'll explain where that where that comes from. You know, Howard was the founder and former CEO of CCLI. Many of you would recognize that Christian Copyright Licensing International. You probably see it every week on your your church screens when songs are are sung. And he was, he did that from 1988 to 2016. He was chairman of the board until early 2019. And he lives in Vancouver, Washington with his wife, Donna, but he has Canadian roots, right? I do indeed from Vancouver, Canada. I almost feel a little bit like Foster Hewitt saying, uh, hello, Canada and hockey fans (laughs) in the United States. So (laughs) there you go. I feel at home. (laughs) Perfect. Howard. Well, welcome. And, you know, I was there, on a personal note, I was there in 1985 at Bible Temple Church in Portland, Oregon, because I was going to Portland Bible College, which is a ministry of that church. And I was there when they announced Star Praise Ministries. I remember right. it vividly. And that was the precursor to CCLI. Exactly. And the whole goal behind it, obviously, is to get permission of use uh, for churches to have permission for non-commercial copying activities. In other words, before yep. that, there was no way for churches to legally use songs. It and, was um, problematic. Yeah, big problem. And you responded to a challenge. And so anyway, Star Praise Ministries and then 1988 CCLI and the rest, yep. the rest is history. So now there's over 250,000 churches participating worldwide in CCLI. Is that correct? Right. That is correct. 70 countries. Wow. Unbelievable. All starting in Portland, Oregon and moving from there. That's right. Yeah. Now, speaking of PBC, Portland Bible College, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Ken and Glenda Malman and Lanny Hubbard. They'd be friends of yours for sure. Oh, yes. Dear friends. uh, Yeah, they're wonderful people. And I just want to thank them for their influence in my life. They still teach at PBC. And so I just want to say and uh, honor them today. So the other thing that I have a personal connection with you, Howard, was in 1985, my last year at PBC, um, I was in a play called The Encounter, That's and right. it was written and directed by you. And yeah. I was uh, uh, one of the the what you the wise men, You're right? One of the wise men. That's right. <laughs> there were three wise men, and we were more like wise guys, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. You, we we did write that into script a little bit there, and uh, got away with it. But you also sang, so congratulations on your uh, stage. <laughs> Uh, debut. <laughs> yes, it was a powerful moment. Well, and I, I remember I had a bullwinkle voice, and uh, yeah, we were we were the comic relief. So uh, that was a that was a powerful, powerful moment of to be part of that. Now, Howard's continued on in Portland. He's been an elder at Manor House and Bible Temple City Bible Church for over thirty years. So he that, continued that's his connection, and also you've been on the executive leadership team for twenty five. Uh, you still work closely with Pastor Mark Estes there on the worship philosophy and vision strategy. And then here's a really 
uh, exciting development. <laughs> in 2016, you were inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. That's amazing. Yes, I was. And I, and I think I, I, I have been told it's possible that I am the first Canadian that has actually been inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. So. Oh, I like that, Howard. <laughs> that is awesome. Right on. Well, we, wait, we wave the flag for you. Today. That's great. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, there's lots that, that, that Howard has done. There's lots of experience. One other thing I want to mention here, you know, we're going to look at his book. He's the author of a book called Perpetual, The Secret to Finding God in Your Seven Life Seasons. It was released in December of last year. And um, great book, rich book. Thank and we're going to look forward to digging into that. But one thought, you know, in your book, you mentioned uh, how the death of your sister Myrna from cancer was a pivotal moment. It was, you said it created a tornado in your heart. And, um, you know, I thought that was an interesting, you know, phrase. Um, interesting that, that in that encounter, when I was in the encounter in December of 1985, I didn't realize, you know, I finished PBC. I went home planning to engage, get engaged to my girlfriend and get married. Um, but three weeks after being in the encounter and uh, graduating from PBC, my wife's uh, future wife's parents were killed in an auto crash mm. and she was oldest of four siblings and so that affected our lives we still got married 10 months later but i i just want to say right off the hop i can really relate to the tornado of the heart and how those moments can change us permanently and affect us and that 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 is that has changed us and so uh Anyway, I just want to say I can res resonate with that. So I want to start off. We're going to jump in here. Um, and I want to look at this book. You know, uh, for you that are listening, I highly recommend you get it. Uh, Perpetual is relating the life of Jacob in the Bible and just the seasons of his life. And then Howard kind of weaves in his own, you know, experiences with that and creates a real good narrative along with some very rich life principles. So here's the biggest premise of perpetual that, that I could see. Um, here, here's a statement that you make, Howard. How I respond to and go through my life seasons will determine how I fulfill who he has called me to be. And so these life seasons, as you put it, they affect everything about the future. Now, you talk about a season uh, being a Kairos moment. Can you explain what, what is a season in our lives? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I uh, thank you for for everything you've referenced. Um, you know, it did begin with a tornado, and uh, it was destructive um, to the point where even I thought my faith was shipwrecked. I was, I was lost, and it's it's out of those moments. And that was in the middle of 1990s, and it took years, several years, for me to. I was I was trying to you know live life the way everybody wanted me to on the outside, but inside I was just dead. And but but to have that reawakening to to okay, what is life really all about? And that's really what it comes down to. We say, well, what is life about? Well, I was uh, several years ago. I just come through a horrific season, and uh, I was reading um, Duel in Genesis as well as. Ecclesiastes, man, that might have been the perfect storm. I don't know, but Ecclesiastes three one says this: to everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose, and he uses those two different words, and we think, well, okay. Um, Paul even says it in First Thessalonians chapter five. He said that concerning times and seasons, you have no need that I should write to you. And I'm going, well, that's interesting that we would use two different words, and. Um, the words in the Greek, first of all, the word time is chronos, 
which is definite time. It's the measurement of events and activities, the chronology of life, as we commonly know it, days, weeks, months, years. And, but he then talks about season, and he doesn't use that word chronos. He uses the word kairos, which is more of a, it's, it, it's indefinite. It's not talking about a finite framework of, of minutes and hours. It's talking about for a while moments. And to everything in our life, there are these moments. Um, you know, I, uh, John Wesley said this, that uh, a season was a certain time appointed by God for its being and continuance, which no human wit or providence can alter. There are things that happen in our life we, we, we can't even uh, understand sometimes, but, but they have emphases. So the kairos means that there are moments of certain emphases in our life that are not coincidental, they're not accidental, and they're not incidental. They are very deliberate by God to weave his master plan in our life. And that's what I call life seasons. Wow, that's powerful. Yes. Well, and I think, you know, when looking at the book, I think when we examine what you share, I think we can all see then suddenly it's almost like in the season itself, you can't see the season you're in. But sometimes when you look back, you go, ah, that was the season I was in. Now, I like the way you've done it here. You divide these seasons into two categories, calling and character. And then you say the four calling seasons are preparation, productivity, transition, and impartation. And then the three character seasons are despair, famine and refreshing now we're going to try to unpack those a little bit but it's really yeah. hard in a podcast <laughs> but you know, but i so it's a little unfair to ask you but can you just give us the basic difference between calling and character seasons yeah well uh, and hopefully hopefully the book will will help everybody understand the yeah. fullness of it but if then when i call a life season is a period of time in our journey that's marked by different characteristics, conditions, circumstances, activities, then I, I saw as I was reading in Genesis, these things that were in Jacob's life. And that's why I saw it. Oh, I said, oh, there's a different emphasis of this and this. And I went through and I, I saw seven of these in Jacob's life. And as I was looking at Jacob's life, I, I was saying, hey, I, I see these things in my life. And I felt like God said, well, yes, they're in Jacob's life and they're in your life and they're also in everybody's life. So write about it. So that's, that's what started to frame in. So when I talk about a calling season, there are four calling seasons. Well, a calling season is what, what is a time, a moment. There are moments in our life that God uses to cultivate our life purpose, our, our mission. Our, there's a reason we live. We're, we're not just here as a, some molecular structure that has no idea of what we're to do or where we're going. There is deliberateness with what God does. God never has made a mistake. You're not an accident. You are not uh, a regret to God. It's deliberate. And so that's what calling seasons are, where there are unique features that God uses to build us into an alignment with what he's always planned for our life. Everyone yes. has a purpose in life. Yeah, and, right. and so the calling seasons, it could be singular or cyclical, but there seems to be a progression like preparation, productivity, transition, impartation, all pertain to how God brings us through our life purpose. Yeah. 
character seasons is the inside working of God. God works because he said, and like in Hebrews it says, Christ is the express image of the Father. Express image is that Greek word characteros. Mm. God is interested in building his image in our character. Wow. And so God works in our nature uh, with regard to our integrity, our honor, our moral wow. fiber, our discipline. And so there's a focus on the attributes of a heart. And what he uses, he uses, he uses these elements called despair, famine, and refreshing. Uh, one good one, some uh, challenging ones, and a horrible one. <laughs> yes, but true. but it, it is so that he can furnish himself in us. So that's why I call calling seasons and character seasons. That's powerful. I like the delineation. And I like the aspect of God literally preparing us so that he can work through us to, to fulfill the calling that he has on us. So that's powerful. Well, what I'm going to do, I think, for the rest of the time here, as I mentioned earlier, there's so much we could unpack. And I literally, I had 25 pages of <laughs> highlights from this book that I did on Kindle. I printed them all out. And then I looked through and went, okay, which ones am I going to pick? It was hard. Probably still not going to get through all of them that I have on here, Howard. But oh what I want to do is I want to share a few little nuggets and quotes from the book sure. and then get you to comment on it and, and, and get, add something to it as, as we go along. Hopefully for everyone listening, this will whet your appetite to read the book because I, I really want to encourage you to do it. So here's something that you say about the season of preparation. Here's what you write. The season of preparation is a time of equipping or retooling of our thoughts, attitudes, and skills by God. This season makes us ready and positions us to enter the next segment of our purpose. Here, here's the quote I really like. I've learned a key principle about the season of preparation. You may be fine for where you've come from, and you may be fine for where you are, but you are not fine for where you are going. And you, you go on to say it's based upon God knowing his plans for us. Can you comment on that? Yeah, well, in preparation, that is where God is equipping us or in some cases retooling us because there could be some multiple seasons of productivity, I'll call it. So there are thoughts and attitudes and skills that God puts in us, but our vision of life tends to be very limited or governed by simply where we are. And we, we typically don't see uh, what we're, that what we're doing today is actually a framework for, for tomorrow. Um, you know, uh, for example, uh, you know, I, I, love, I love music and I, I, I was wanting to pursue music in high school, but for some reason I didn't take uh, band as an, as, as an elective. And I have no idea why at that time. For, I, I chose typing. And I, and I remember taking that class going, why in the world would I take typing over, you know, band? And, but now looking back now, computer, it helps me yes. to be able to engage quicker on keyboard and writing and thoughts. I never knew that back then. So our framework of what we are experiencing in the now, we sometimes tend to think, oh, that must be everything. And it's not. And so we may think what I'm doing today is good because, okay, I'm happy today. So let's just, this, we, we, we don't see that God has real deliberateness of where he's taking us. God has already been to our future and he already knows what we're needing when we get there. Yes. So he actually starts building in us now for what is going to be needed where we're going. 
We can't see that, but he does. So that's what I meant. Don't be deciding how great your life is by the now, thinking, oh, I've met today's needs. But it is really having an understanding of God. There is something that you are preparing me because we're going from glory to glory. Yes, I like we are, that. We're being changed into his image. Yes. That's progressive. It's not yes. static. No, I like that. That is so good. And keeping that forward movement, that forward motion, even when we're disappointed, even when things don't seem like what God would, would we would have God be doing in our lives. We need yep. to know something greater. You make another comment here that I want to mention. You said our avid devotion to preparation, so the season you're talking about, all that work, can be easily decimated by our unattention to reputation. I thought that was very interesting. Then you say the season of preparation cultivates integrity, trust, and ethics. So I want to just have you comment on that. What do you mean by that? That that our unattention, what's our unattention to reputation that can undo all that prep? Well, um, this, uh, I think the story that remi reminds me of this, I put it in the book about Tiger Williams, and some may remember who Tiger Williams Yay, was. Yay, Tiger Williams, uh, I totally remember him. Toronto Maple Leafs, Vancouver Canucks. I mean, the guy was a good <laughs> hockey player, but he was a tough hockey player. He was a physical hockey player, and he was a protector. So he got engaged in a lot of fights, and he had a, he set records in penalty minutes, and to the point that even when he didn't do something, he would get, uh, you know, flagged by the refs for going to the penalty box for something he didn't do. And the reason for that was his reputation hindered his ability to be That's productive. Right. And yes. so that just hit me that, you see, successful leadership knows that everything you do and everything you say is interpreted and many times misinterpreted by others. And, and so uh, we be focusing, we may be even able to have our really, our heads screwed on right knowing, hey, I'm preparing myself for this. And we, we, we become ignorant about the how we are because we're so focused on the what we do. Good point. What we do is good because that is the basis. That's foundational, it's doctrinal. But how is the perception of what is conveyed uh, to others. Now, I'm, I'm example, I'm, I was a very intense person as a young person, very intense competitively in sports. I mean, I was intense. Now, I wasn't as intense as a Michael Jordan, but, <laughs> but because of my passion and competition, it could be conveyed, it would come across as wrong as, man, you just got to stay away from Howard. I mean, the guy can go off like a fuse and, 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 and not even realizing the passion was fine, but what is going out is called reputation, and that can hinder my ability to be effective with others. And, and then, there's, there's, see, there's a difference between popularity and fame, and that's where I tie reputation, because Jesus had, was of good report. He had fame. You see, popularity is a scale of likability. Right. But fame and reputation is a scale of credibility. That's and we, it's important that while you're being prepared, that you can understand and give attention to your credibility. Do you have one, two, three people that could be sounding boards to you to say, how am I conveying myself? Can you kind of speak into me? And you see, there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. And Ian, transparency is me telling you something about me that you don't know. But vulnerability is you 
telling me something about me that I don't know. Oh boy, that's and, good. And that's where reputation can be built. Having those that can speak into how you are Very conveying good. yourself so you can protect integrity, trust, and ethics. So the bigger picture is we actually need to work even more so than transparency, we need to be vulnerable. We need to be open to the input of others. It's, and that's, the, that's hard. It's hard. It is. And, you know, yeah. we, we quote the scripture, faithful are the wounds of friends. <laughs> and we, we love that until a friend says, hey, can I speak into your life? Because it hurts. It does. A wound hurts. Yeah. But a wound is a reminder of either a past scar or a past healing. Wow. And we need, that's what reputation is, having those that you could be vulnerable to who you trust could speak into your life. So rich. So good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm going to shift to the season of despair. Oh, <laughs> I know the one we don't want to read about, right? Or consider, well, we've all gone through it. Here's what you write about it. Pain, severity, and even death are all part of God's majesty and wisdom. They bring renewal if we embrace them. I wonder if you could Talk about that statement for a minute, because some would go, oh, wait a minute, pain, severity, even death are part of God's majesty and wisdom. How does that work? Yeah, that it is painful. Um, no one is exempt from pain. Whether you have a, a pedigree, an eliteness, or wealth status, that does not exempt you from despair. And, and neither does being less than that, having, not having wealth, or that doesn't preclude you from blessing. But despair is that time of intense agony and affliction of spirit where you seem to become detached from hope. It hurts. Pain, despair hurts. And <clears throat> there's a difference between being helpless and being hopeless. You see... When you are helpless, you, you don't have the ability to affect things, to, to, to make a difference. But when you are hopeless, you've lost the, the willingness yes. to even continue. And mm -hmm. there's one thing worse than losing your life, and it's losing your reason for living. Wow. And so in despair, um, the, the things that we go through... Uh, the pain of it. And we say, well, how is it possible? We, we come up with a lot of questions. God, why? Why did you allow for me? Why did you allow my sister to die? And when I went through my season, and um, you know, I, I shared very quickly, I went through a two-year period of the most intense agony I have ever experienced in my life. Wow. Uh, just very quickly, my son, who's a star high school football player, he was really wanting to continue his football career, his defensive tackle, his neck was larger than my body. I mean, he was just, and he had a series of multiple injuries and it, it concluded in his senior year. They, had, they carried him off on his, the state semifinal uh, game and he then fell and, uh, in January and we had to take him to doctors and we, he was diagnosed with it was called repetitive head injury syndrome, multiple concussions that had now uh, uh, injured, affected his brain with his long-term memory. He lost his long-term memory, his speech, his vision, his balance. And 
we went through, we began in January, a year and a half of neurolo neurological training for him. It was two months after that, that uh, I got a phone call from my sister-in-law. And uh, I said, there's something wrong with Rod, my, my brother. Rod and I worked together at CCLI for uh, 22 years. And uh, we were joined at the heart. We just, he's my, my, not just my brother, my closest friend. And yeah. I went over and there was something, he was in, in so much uh, confusion. And so we took him to, hosp to hospital emergency and they began to diagnose him. And the doctor informed us that he was diagnosed with grade four uh, glioblastoma multiform, wow. terminal cancer. He was not going to survive. And we began a horrible journey of, of it, it's a horrible thing to see the disintegration of a person. And, and then you go through that. And it was a month later that my wife's uh, dad called. Jim Kirkpatrick was one of my mentors in my life. I was associate pastor with him in Bellingham, Washington for six years. And we were close. He was just an amazing man of God, served on a mission field for several years, pastoring in Bellingham, 20 years. And the doctors just told him he had final stages of pancreas, pancreatic cancer. He only had weeks to live. So here we were going up to Canada to try to work through things with dad Kirkpatrick and then uh, family decided to take Rod down to California and go through some type of alternate treatment even though there's no hope and in the middle of this the pain of that and Donna mm -hmm. and I all we could do was all we could do is just sing and say God we love you we love you we, and we went to our sweet spot of worship and one trip I remember one trip to Canada it was a four hour, four and a half hour trip. And about three hours of that was just nonstop worship. And mm -hmm. all you could do is just, but you learn things in despair. Yes. And uh, but my heart, uh, my father-in-law passed away in May, a couple of months after we was diagnosed. And we continued the journey with Rod. And then my closest friend in the Christian music industry, Andre Crouch, I got a call from his twin sister. Andre has gone into cardiac arrest. Get down here. I, and uh, we've been friends for 45 years, vacation together, just many things together. And uh, I walked into the hospital room 30 minutes after he had passed away. And then I had to take care of all the um, planning for his memorial service. And then we're continuing with Rod and then Donna's mom. Get a call from Donna's, the doctor, Donna's mom, who was going in and out of the hospital. She was, by the way, one of the uh, early uh, involvers uh, involved in uh, the latter rain movement in uh, Saskatchewan in 19 North Battleford. Yeah. North Battleford. She was one of the first women ordained from that ministry. And wow. Donna's uncle was one of the major leaders and Reggie Zell. And, but the doctor said, uh, your mom is not going to make it through the night. We couldn't get up there in time. And so you're on the phone and you're saying goodbye to mom. She passed away the early in the morning. And then, uh, we just continued the journey, and then in July, my my brother passed away as I'm praying my love to him, and it, it just goes on, and, you, and I'm just saying those things, the season was so painful, because everyone goes, why God? And, and you get into this thing again, okay, God, are you punishing me? Is this sin? Do I not have enough faith? Uh, you, we, we get into this whole room, and, 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 and if left unattended, it could sow a seed 
of offense to, against God and bitterness. And you say, God, you're not fair. You're not rational. You're not reasonable. And, and it can turn the heart to hardness. And, and there's so many things that can come out of that, that, that it's such a key season. But, but in the midst of that, you have to remember this. You know, God is not obligated to tell us about eternity. But you learn some things. I'm, I, I know I'm taking time, but it's powerful. here are the things that I learned yes. in the season of despair. Number one, the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. And, and that's an easy word to say. But see, you see, that word sovereign is, is Latin, two words, superanignum, which means above the highest authority. You see, many times we think we've got to place God's authority into our realm of existence because we really tend to look at eternity through the eyes of the temporary. But God is saying, I want to bring you into my realm, which is high above your circumstance, so that you can view the temporary from the eyes of eternity. Wow. And then through that, you get to understand what it really means in Proverbs 3, verse 5. The algorithm of trust. Trust in the like Lord that. with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, Portland Bible College student graduates, you'll know this with regard to the conjunction, transitional <laughs> expressions. The word and is the conjunction that connects the two uh, elements to make a whole. Trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding. The word not is a negative uh, uh, declarative. So in order for me to trust in the Lord, I cannot lean on my understanding. Right. If I lean on my understanding, I got to put the negative declarative over the other side. Lean on your understanding and trust not in the Lord. And despair works on that specifically because you have a decision. Am I going to? Lean on my understanding because I didn't understand why my sister died. You didn't understand why your parent-in-laws died. Really? I didn't understand right. why my brother died. I didn't understand. And we can get into this whole thing saying, I don't understand. So therefore I am not going to trust God anymore. Mm -hmm. And God says, well, then you lean on your understanding. That's really good. Howard. And I choose not to let my circumstance define my life. Wow. That's powerful. I choose not to let the hurt, the pain, the sickness, the disappointment, the, Agony, the stress, the uncertainty, the abandonment, the broken relationships, the depression, the conflict. I choose not to let those things define my life. I choose to define my life by him. It's really good. In him I live, in him I move, and in him I have my being. Yes. That's amen. the algorithm of trust. Oh, I love oh. it. The algorithm of trust. That's powerful, oh. Howard. You know, you I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple statements that you make in the book that, that fits this, obviously. You said this, ingratitude oh. is hallucinogenic. It makes you think God is cruel, uncaring, unloving, vengeful, abhorrent, abominable, even non-existent. The weapon of thankfulness is not being grateful for the despair. It is being grateful in the despair. And so what you're sharing is that, that we, we, we hallucinate when we, be, we become ungrateful. When, like you oh, yeah. said, if we're not trusting, if we're in a place of you know, anger at God, and we, we, we buy into that, we don't see it clear. 
and and we need to go back to thankfulness. That's what I hear from you. Yeah, um, ingratitude is a toxin, and it kills your ability to have sound mind. And 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 when I say because um, I when I went through the loss of my sister, I lo I lost this principle. I didn't understand this principle. How could I be thankful? And I when I said, oh, First Thessalonians says. In everything, give thanks. In the the position of peace is the in the in, so that my exercising thankfulness was saying, in this moment, God, I'm thanking you because it's not the circumstance that determines my eternity. You determine my eternity, and when I am began to say thank you, Lord. That destroys, that's the antibody of your soul. It destroys the toxin of ingratitude. And because if you allow that to permeate, you, it, it leads to this path where you, then you, you don't give thanks to God. You come up with foolish ideas of what, who God is. And your mind just becomes a reprobate. You, you just absolutely go into a spiral. So the area, and, 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 and that's what happened during the season of despair. Donna and I committed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I looked at God instead of saying, God, why could you take my brother away? I said, thank you, God for every second, every minute, every hour, every moment that I was blessed with the relationship on this side of eternity because I know I have the other side of eternity to enjoy the pleasure of his presence. Powerful. Very, very good. Very deep. And I want to thank you for just sharing so heartfelt. I'm, I'm looking at Howard through a Zoom meeting so I can see his expression. I can see how this is from his heart. And we prayed before this podcast that God would bring out, I have so much that we could cover right now, but I really feel that what Howard has touched upon probably is, is really speaking to a number of people. And so I want to pause here right now. Um, you know, I'm wondering, Howard, can we do a part two on this? Absolutely. <laughs> I think we need a second podcast. I watch, I listen to other podcasts and guys will do it. I, I think we're going to do a part two because there's so much more we can talk about. But to close out part one, which we're going to do right now, um, I wonder, Howard, if you do, do us a favor and pray for people that are listening. And, and when you talked about the season of despair, when you went through all the difficulties you just shared, uh, there are people that it touched their heart. And, and even the questions that are happening in their lives right now, even the things that, that they're feeling are, are brought to the surface. And mm. I wonder if you just really pray that God would do something right now for them, even as they listen and help them to see the bigger picture. Would you do that for us? You know, even as you said that, I, I felt such a confirmation with you that we, this, we were actually supposed to stop right now. And in this moment, that, that as we were talking about despair, that you had people that were listening to this and will listen to it, that were even at the point where they were contending, where they even, they wanted to even continue to live. Mm -hmm. And it hit me so strong because he's, that that is such an attack and a lie of the enemy to rob you and to rob us of the very blessing that God yes. intends to flow through. So, Father, we, we stop right now. We actually take this Sila moment. We stop that in the midst of this, that everyone who is even listening to these words 
had something pierce their soul with regard to what you have shared that there is something that in the midst of their turmoil, that it was so excruciatingly painful. They, it's even affected their ability to breathe. They didn't even know how they were even going to be able to rise up the next day. But you have intercepted that right now. And you are, um, you are in, in, interrupting the path that the enemy was trying to design for that listener. And you are speaking life right now. Yes. The inspiration of your Holy Spirit yes, would speak life into this matter right now. That you would bring a whisper of strength and encouragement. Even as the psalmist David said, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right now, I pray you break that discouragement and yes. that depression and that despair and that disappointment. You would shatter that and let there be a release of your presence in that person right now to take hold of hope. Yes. For you are the author of hope. You are our hope. And that you would that, that you would infuse them with the strength to say, I will stand. Yes. Amen. And I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. I will trust in him right now. Break those chains yes. of despair. Break that discouragement in yes. Jesus' name. And we release life. We release your purpose in them and through them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Powerful prayer. I'm Thank sure that's Jesus. impacting people right now. Thank mm. you so much, Howard. Really appreciate it. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to close it off there. And in our next podcast, we'll be back with part two. We're, we've still got. Uh, some other seasons to look at, a lot of nuggets to consider. So thank you, Howard, for being willing to do a part two. That's good. And um, in the meantime, if you uh, have any questions or want to respond, um, you can send an email to podcast at lifelinks.org. If you want to let us know about this, if there's anything you want me to pass along to Howard, uh, that's podcast at lifelinks.org. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we will be back again for, uh, on our next podcast. We'll also be talking to Howard. But in the meantime, God bless you all. Thanks again, Howard, for sharing this. Thank you. So powerful. Really appreciate it. And the Lord bless you all. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Lifelinks Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at lifelinks.org.